I got a fever, and the only prescription is more Patrick Madrid. Come on! Compelling insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to the Patrick Madrid Show. I hope you enjoyed your 21-hour break. I did, and I'm ready to get back in action, ready to get this roadshow back on the road. And that's where you come in. If you're interested in being part of the program with your phone call, comment, question, what have you, just call this number. It's sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters, 888-914-9149. Cyrus, it would be great if we could get that that sound effect that we have, body blow, body blow. Remember that one? Body blow. You want me to get that ready? Knockout. No, what I'd like to do, that's always fun, but what it would be great if there were a way to put the phone number in that monotone voice. Body blow, I can't even do the voice. It would be funny, though. Hey, Neil, are you listening? <laughs> can, can you do that for us, Neil? It'll probably be done by the end of the hour. Maybe in 10 minutes. He's a wizard, Neil. He's so good at that stuff. We're lucky to have him. So did I mention the phone number? It's 888-914-9149. I was really pleased to get this email from a listener. And let me just see if she wants me to keep her name anonymous. And she doesn't. Okay, so her name is Becky. And Becky, I really appreciate you taking a moment to write to me. She says, thank you for your show. I'm very grateful for it. However... Mm -hmm. Without specifying, oh, you know what? <laughs> I messed up because I know. Well, I'll have to, I'll have to circle back and read this email another time. So I apologize. You know what? I don't like the. I really don't like the keep me anonymous stuff. I really don't like that. Um, if you would prefer to use a pseudonym, that's fine, and you don't have to say where you're listening in the country, that's fine. But it's just difficult because I can't always tell immediately if this is something that needs to be anonymous. So my, that's my preference, as they say. If you would like to send me an email, I'll be happy to try to read it on the air. It's easier if you just give me a name. Could be your name. Doesn't have to be your name. But the anonymous thing gets a little bit difficult at times, as you just witnessed. Eight 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 nine one four. 9149. This one is from Anonymous, and I know her name, but she asked me to keep her anonymous. So she says, I wonder I am wondering how we can determine how much reparation is quote unquote enough for past sins. For a couple of years prior to getting married, now mm, not suitable for kids. So if you have children in Houston, California, for example, or in Traverse City, Michigan, for example then shoo the kids in the other room for the next few minutes or turn the radio down. Nothing graphic, nothing, you know, explicit, but it's just not a topic for children. So parents, please exercise caution and fair warning, ready, steady, go. So Anonymous says, I'm wondering how much, how we can determine how much reparation is enough, quote unquote, for past sins. For a couple of years prior to getting married, my husband and I struggled with sins of impurity We never fornicated, however, we still fell into serious sins of impurity. The frequency of occurrence varied. On average, I would say it happened monthly, sometimes more often, sometimes less. We both hated that we would fall into these sins, and we tried countless different things to help prevent us from falling into these sins. 
I have a history of an eating disorder, so fasting is something I tend to struggle with. But during that time, I would take cold showers as a way of, quote-unquote, fasting from pleasure. The last few months before we got married, we did not fall into these sins. That's good. I should also add that there were often instances where we would fall, and once I realized we had crossed the line into mortal sin, instead of trying to stop, I would just give in, knowing that I would go to confession afterwards. Or occasionally when I was feeling tempted to fall into this sin, I would allow myself knowing I would go to confession. I would always tell the priest this terrible intention when I went to confession afterward. I know I truly did not want to continue falling into those sins, and we truly did try quite a variety of different things to avoid it, but I still periodically think back to those times with horrible remorse and regret. We now have been married for a couple of years. I think I feel most guilty about my attitude toward confession like I was using God's mercy in some sick way. Recently, I felt on my heart that I need to offer reparation for these sins. I tend to lean more toward the scrupulous side, overthinking things, and I'm struggling to determine how much reparation is enough to atone for these past sins. I offered a week of cold showers. However, after that week was finished, I felt like it wasn't enough. Part of me feels like nothing will ever be enough. How do I find the correct balance? Well, this is a good question, and I wouldn't be surprised, Anonymous, if some people listening right now are dealing with similar feelings. So let me just offer a few preliminaries before we go any further. The first preliminary is keep in mind that the penalty for your sins or the atonement for your sins was accomplished by Jesus Christ, by his saving death on the cross He is the one who atoned for your sins. He's the one who saves you from your sins. He's the one who forgives you of your sins. Now, that's important because it may help to chip away at your tendency, from what you explained, to feel as though you have to atone for your sins. You don't. You can't. If you could, then the the incarnation of Jesus would be superfluous. If there were a way that you and I could atone for our sins, we, we would do it. And there would be no need for Jesus to be incarnate and die on the cross for our salvation. So please, at the very foundation of all of these things, remember that it's God's grace. It's Jesus and what he did. Now, you have a role to cooperate in what he has done for you. And we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but... As you're thinking about this, remember, you don't atone for your sins. Jesus atoned for your sins. Now, where do we go from here? So the second preliminary would be that there is no way to know what expiation there might need to be for sins that have been forgiven. And what I mean by that, I talked about it a bit yesterday, but just to kind of rehearse that a little bit, when you commit a sin, when I commit a sin, anyone who commits a sin, which is all of us, your sin incurs a penalty which Jesus alone can satisfy. He alone can atone for that penalty, which would be eternal separation from God in hell, which is what we deserve for our sins. Maybe your sin itself might be minor, but the person you're sinning against is God himself, infinite love and goodness. So that's the penalty due to sin, but sin has effects. And I used an example, I think it was this one yesterday, where I talked about, let's say that you embezzled money from your company and you went to jail because you were convicted and, and you went to jail for maybe five, 10 years. Well, 
if you repented of the sin and you received the Lord's forgiveness, you went to confession, you were sacramentally absolved, you would be absolutely free and absolved from that sin. Jesus paid the price for, for the sin, but you're still in jail. So there's still a temporal effect due to sin that is not eliminated by the mercy and forgiveness of God, which means that there is some expiation. And another word for this is restitution. So if I borrowed your car and wrecked it, well, it's my responsibility to make sure that your car is repaired. It would have to come out of my hide. It would have to come out of my insurance, not yours, because it's not fair that you should be penalized or have to spend your money for something that I did. So restitution is an, an attempt to try to make things the way they were. Uh, one analogy that comes up often is that of hammering a nail into a, a beautiful piece of wood. The wood is your soul. Hammering the nail into it is like committing a sin. Pulling the nail out of the wood is the forgiveness of Jesus, and yet there's a hole that remains. So when we talk about penance, restitution is, in essence, repairing the damage that was done, repairing the hole that should not have been there but was caused by your sin. So that's where this issue of penance comes in, fasting, almsgiving, uh, all the good works, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy that Jesus talks about. He talks about laying up treasure in heaven. This is what I mean when I say we cooperate with God's forgiveness. We, we anticipate that there is going to be some restitution necessary, so we do things like that, as the Bible teaches, as a way to make restitution, make reparation for the sins that we have committed. But there's no way to know how much of that there may be. That is not revealed to us. Think of Zacchaeus in the gospel story where he's a short guy. Jesus is in town, and he's speaking, and Zacchaeus can't quite see, see him, so he shimmies up a sycamore tree, and he sees Jesus. Now, in the story, he's a tax collector, which was really low, maybe the lowest rung on the social ladder. He was, tax collectors were more or less despised by the Jewish folk of the day because they were extortionists. Their job was to get money in taxes as prescribed by the Romans, their overlords, and the way the tax collector would make his money would be to get more money from you than was actually owed by you to the Romans. So if the Romans said, you owe us 10 denarii, he'd try to get 11 or 12 denarii, and he would live on the margins, literally and figuratively. So when you see this story unfold, he is um, he's one of these people who would be looked down upon by the locals, and he has this conversion, and he talks about his penance. He says, I'm going from memory here, he says, all the money that I have unjustly taken, I'm going to restore it double or triple. I forget which one he says. I'm going to give it back threefold. That's a form of penance. In other words, he's, he's trying to make restitution for the sins that he committed. There's just one example of that. So as to your specific issue, without dwelling upon the particular sins that you're referring to, the main thing is, A, there's no way for you to know how much there is, so don't stress out over it. You can't know. God has not revealed that to you, so there's no need for you to stress out about it. Trust in the Lord's mercy. 
when you've gone to confession and anytime you go to confession in a heartfelt way, pray the prayers or perform whatever the action is that the priest gives you as a penance when confession is over. Um, Do other things besides, as Jesus said, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit the imprisoned. You know, there are ways in which you can offer your, your time and talent as a way to show your love for the Lord and your gratitude for his mercy and forgiveness. Those are all things that Jesus talked about, lay up treasure in heaven. How do you do that? Well, you do those kinds of things. You pray. Um, I'm very much in favor, and this is something I do at every Mass, so I'll offer this to you as a suggestion. When you receive Holy Communion, this is the infinitely perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that's made present to us at Mass, and we receive Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity in Holy Communion, I would propose that you, after communion, you pray to the Lord and say, Oh my God, I offer this Holy Communion in reparation for all the sins I have committed and all the sins I have caused others to commit. And it's a simple prayer. It's easy to remember. And you can say it in your own words, of course. That's what I say when I receive Holy Communion at every Mass. I just offer whatever merits, whatever graces, whatever expiation that God would deign to grant to me through receiving Holy Communion, and I offer that to him as a way of doing reparation for sins in the past. So I think if you if you ponder those realities and, and recognize that you don't have to stress out, there's no meter that is click, 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 clicking in the background saying, well, you've got X number of months or years or days or whatever left to do, just... Don't worry about those things. Live a good, happy life. You already are, of course. And go forward in peace. You don't need to stress out over this. And you can you can accomplish many wonderful things through your prayers and suffrages. Suffrages, by the way, it's an interesting word. You don't hear it much anymore. It doesn't mean suffering. Some people, and I was I used to be one of them long ago when I didn't understand, I didn't have any theological training, which I now have. And I used to think that suffrages was like an old-fashioned way of talking about uh, suffering, like fasting, for example. That's not what it means. It's referring to you are choosing, you're electing, you are, if you want to use the word, voting. And that's where it ties in with like women's suffrage, the movement in the 19th century, into the 20th century to gain the right to vote for women, which they did not have there prior to that point. It's when you offer your whatever merits and benefits you might achieve from the good things that you do in grace for the souls in purgatory or for another person. So when you offer your prayers and suffrages, in that case, you're offering those benefits to other people. But what's really great about this is that the Lord still blesses you with those benefits. And then lastly, if you would like to be Uh, fully free of this nagging sense that there's something more you've got to do, um, I would propose that you prepare to receive a plenary indulgence, and one that's coming up will be on the Sunday after Easter Sunday, which is Divine Mercy Sunday. And if you begin saying the Divine Mercy Chaplet prayers, uh, it's a novena for nine days. You begin on Good Friday, and you pray the novena all the way until the Saturday before Divine Mercy Sunday, the church grants you a plenary indulgence. And what that means is, and there are certain conditions that that are required, one is to pray the prayers of the novena. Two, you go to Mass and 
and receive the Holy Eucharist and go to confession within eight days before or after. Some some formulas will say 20 days. I think eight days is a good rule of thumb before or after Divine Mercy Sunday. You could do it during Holy Week. Uh, you say prayers for the intentions of the Holy Father, and you have an, a detachment from sin. And what that means is that it's an act of the will. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's not a warm fuzzy. It's an act of the will in which you say, Lord, you know my sinful past, you know how weak I am, you know how easily I could fall into sin again, but here and now, I renounce all of my past sins, I renounce any satisfaction or pleasant memories or pleasure that I might derive from thinking about my past sins, I renounce all of that right now, I want no attachment to any sin, not even venial. So it's an act of your will, it's not an emotion. And when these conditions are met, you will receive on Divine Mercy Sunday a plenary indulgence. And I'll end with this, because we have to take a break, but this entirely eradicates any any penance necessary for the sins you've committed in your life. So you would be starting with an odometer, spiritually speaking, at zero. Now, sadly, we all tend to rack up more miles on that spiritual odometer of uh, penance needed to be done, but you would wipe everything out up to that point. So I hope that gives you some comfort. There are many other ways you can gain indulgences. A plenary indulgence is where it's all wiped out. A partial indulgence is where some of it, but you don't know how much is wiped out. So think about that, and perhaps you'll be free from this nagging doubt this coming Divine Mercy Sunday when you make the Divine Mercy Novena. And you can pray with Drew every day at 3 p.m. Central, right here on Relevant Radio. Drew Mariani prays the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and uh, that's also an indulgenced action. So check it out. And I'm glad you wrote to me. Thank you for that. We'll take a break, and I'll be right back. This hour is sponsored by Christendom College's Free Principles Classes. Sign up for a free online class on Holy Scripture today at NewTestamentFoundations.com. Learn to read the Bible with the mind of the church at NewTestamentFoundations.com. One, two, three, four. Keeping it relevant. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Welcome back to the Patrick Madrid Show. The number is 888-914-9149. 9149. Let's get back to the phones to start with James in New Jersey. Hi, James. Hi, Pat. How you doing? I'm doing okay, thank you. Um, I just wanted to call. need a little help with something. Okay. My girl and I were together for six years, and she broke up with me seven months ago. And in doing so, she blocked me from texts, calling, email, messenger, mm-hmm. everything. And I have so many questions all this time that I need answered only by her. And we've never had a conversation because she's totally cut me off. Mm-hmm. No communication, anything. And I'm just stuck. I can't get out of this. I'm sad all the time. Just to the sheer rejection. I feel abandoned. I feel betrayed. And, you know, it's just that it's not fair. I mean, mm-hmm. 
I have so many things I need to talk to her about and ask her, and I can't. I've gone to her house. She doesn't come when I ring the bell. I mm-hmm. showed up at her church, and she wasn't even going to stop and talk to me until her friends stopped her and said, told her I was calling her name. It's like she just wants to be a, an old lady at the church, and she didn't want to get married. That's fine. I, we could have stayed together, and I could have How old are the done two all of these you, things James? with her. I'm 57. She's 59. Were either of you married before? I was divorced, and she was married twice. Mm-hmm. Well, first thing that comes to my mind is be very careful because you could have a restraining order placed on you, um, and it would not take much, especially if you're following her and she said, no, I don't want to see you. That's the kind no, of thing that... No, I only that saw her that one time in December. It's the kind of thing that a judge might not look kindly upon. So just be aware that could be something she might do. Um, I mean, not knowing any of the details of your relationship, and since both of you uh, have a marriage in the past, did you ever find out if your marriage was valid? Oh, yeah, did you we, go were through the the we were going to get married. But- so, James, did you get an, a declaration of annulment yeah. for your marriage? How about her? Yes, and her too. For both of those marriages? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, at least that's something that gives you a green light. But if she doesn't want this and she's not interested, who knows what happened? But whatever it was, if it's enough for her to say, I don't want to be in touch anymore, you have to respect that. It's miserable and painful, but you can't force her to love you. You can't force her to be wanting to be around you. If whatever her reason is, is her reason, there's really not much that you can do, is there? It's just like I have to be in pain the rest of my life and not know the reasons why and have these questions never answered. Even her priest doesn't want to get involved. I've gone to him for help, and he just kind of politely backs away. Well, he should because he has no right to talk about her personal conversations with him, with you. I mean, he's doing the right thing. My advice to you would be get up, get busy, get thinking about other things. Get active, go lift weights, go run, go work at the soup kitchen, go, you know, get a second job, go, you know, go get up and do something and don't dwell on this moroseness that's got you in its grip right now. Otherwise, you'll never really get out of it. You've got to get up and get moving. Okay. And you know what? Life is like that. There are things in life that are not fair or not fun. They're painful. They're difficult. That's life. And you just have to deal with it. And, if I can add one other thing, you will not be attractive to any other woman if you're moping around all the time and complaining and all of that. It's like it's projecting defeat. It's projecting failure. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to project failure, you should get up and get going and move on to something else. Clear your mind. Okay. You can do it. All right. You just have to do it. Okay. Thank you, Patrick. You're welcome, James. It'll be okay. You try this. You try what I just suggested. And I have a feeling in 90 days' time, you're going to have a different outlook on life. A better okay. outlook. Okay. Well, say a little, I'll say a little prayer for you, James, that this unfolds the way you want it to. Thank you. 888-914-9149. Cyrus, I remember a breakup. This is pre-Nancy. 
And I had a breakup that really hurt me. And it was uh, a difficult time for me for months. And eventually, as the old saying goes, time heals all wounds. And in time, things just get better. They just do. But you can't lay there wallowing in misery or you'll just never get out of it. I don't know if you've ever gone through that, but yeah, I remember what that was like. I certainly have. And I was a lot like James where I I moped I moped for a couple of years. It was, it was a long relationship and it ended where we just went our separate ways. Uh, but we both, you know, you still care about each other, but it's, it's you know, it's not going to work out. Right. And uh, so I, I just let it eat me alive. And now looking back, I wish I could, I wish I could smack myself. Like, what were you doing? You missed out on a couple of great years of having a good time. And and would you see her from time to time? No, totally different parts of the okay. world. So okay. it, 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 okay. that wasn't an option. Okay. Uh, but if I could go back and tell, talk to myself, I'd be, go exercise. Get out yeah. of your own head. Because sitting there thinking, and this goes with any, this isn't just breaking up like missing someone or having not someone in your life, any kind of problem you have, get out of your head because spending all that time in your head going over it over and over again is only making it worse. Right. Go exercise, number one. Get mm-hmm. some exercise. Go find a basketball game. Get out in the sunshine. Get some get sun. Outside. Go for a walk. Yep. Get no, out it's of all head. true. Well, I had a feeling you probably could relate to this. I think most people can. And um, yeah, so, I mean, this is just life. And maybe people listening right now are experiencing something similar. Now, obviously, it's even at a a higher level of pain and and difficulty when it's a marriage that ends, God forbid. But a lot of people are dealing with this issue. So Yeah, and one thing James could could do is he can, when he is reflecting on that relationship, think about what worked and what didn't. And the things that didn't work, don't do that anymore. Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's called a course correction. And you modify your behavior based upon results. Yep. And you'll be a better husband in the future for the mistakes that you made in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, I, I've heard it phrased in different ways. Um, but, you know, one way to put it, people say it in different ways. But one way to say it is test that assumption and then take note of the results. So there are different ways to say that. This is the way I prefer to say it. Test that assumption and then take note of the results. It's science. Yeah. 888-914-9149. How about John now in Iowa? Good morning, John. Good morning. Yes, sir. Uh, I just, I heard what your response to the lady, uh, the email. Um, And it seemed like you went on quite a while, but I mean, I mean, it was great. I love the way you answer questions. You're really good. Um, and, but, you know, like I, I sometimes do go on a little long, though, so I I freely admit that, John. Well, no, that's great. But and so I I went to confession here about three months ago, and I've been married twenty five years, and my wife and I have five kids. And I ask about sins that I had, you know, committed before I got married, and um, to the priest, and and I said, you know, I confessed them before, but I just kind of feel like I need to confess them again, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, nothing too bad, just that, you know pre-marriage stuff sometimes Mm -hmm. kids go through, you know, and I was in my 20s and everything. I could probably guess what some of those sins were if I had to guess, but I'm not going to, but I probably could. Yeah, (laughs) I know. And he said, well, you confess them. And I said, yes. And he said, they're gone. They're forgiven. They're completely Mm -hmm. gone. 
And, mm-hmm. and I know you say to trust your priest and listen to what your priest says and all that. And so that, that was my question was, was he wrong when he told me that? No, he's absolutely right. Um, the way I would phrase it, I mean, I, I agree with what he said to you, and I, I think it's a fine piece of advice. Um, I would put it maybe another, or rather another way that you could put it would be that when you went to confession, after confessing your sins directly to the Lord, and then you went to confession, Jesus judged your sins and forgave them. So they're done. They're in the past. Now, it doesn't mean they didn't happen. They did happen, and as human beings, we have a tendency, I know I do, to feel remorse and regret and pain, even for sins from long, long ago. I think that's just human. But you can rest in the, in the knowledge and the security that if you made a good confession, Jesus judged your sins and forgave them. So you're forgiven. So maybe that could be helpful as you're thinking back on those. And perhaps I mentioned a moment ago, I'll just mention it again. When I receive Holy Communion, when I'm making my Thanksgiving, I always pray, um, Lord, I offer this communion to you in reparation for all the sins I've committed and all the sins I've caused other people to commit. So that way, it's front in my mind, top of my mind, that whatever restitution, whatever penance that I may need to do, and only God knows what that is, um, I'm offering it to him continuously. And I find great peace in that. Also, when you go to confession, for what it's worth anyway, one thing I do is when I'm finished, when I'm finished with my recitation of sins, I say, and for these and all the sins of my past life, I am truly sorry, to sort of underscore my sorrow for sin. And if that's Father Rocky, hmm, hope I'm not in trouble. No, that wouldn't be Father Rocky. Um, but that I would propose things yeah. like that. That way you can remind yourself, I know my sins are forgiven. And Lord, you know I'm sorry for mm-hmm. my sins. And then you move on and you don't, you don't feel like you've got to wallow in these feelings of regret. Yeah, I, I wrote that down earlier after you said that because I plan on doing that at church on Sunday after, you know, when I receive communion. Because cool. I like to pray a lot after... I received communion, and um, and yeah, I'm definitely going to do that. That was very good advice. So, well, I'm happy to hear that. It's just uh, a suggestion, just something I do. But I mean, it's just you know, free advice is all. But I think those kinds of things can help alleviate your sense of uh, whatever remorse or pangs you're feeling. Mm-hmm. I think those will help. Well, we we could all be a little more like you, Patrick. You, you well, guys are great. So we don't want that very though. much. You might want to ask my wife about that. She may. <laughs> <laughs> well, we help each other, right, John? We all do the best we can to help each other. Oh, yes, definitely. Thank you very much. You're welcome, John. Thank you. Why don't we go to Teresa now in Sarasota, Florida? Hello, Teresa. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, You're welcome. So I heard you talk about uh, plenary indulgences, mm-hmm. and I didn't get the whole gist of it, but one of the things that I was trying to understand with the plenary indulgences, I heard that I can, while praying the rosary, or I can dedicate that rosary or ask for a plenary indulgence for the right. souls in purgatory. Can, mm-hmm. can you elaborate a bit more on the sure. plenary indulgence? Sure. So simply put, a plenary indulgence is the Church's acting in the manner that Jesus gave her the authority to do. So one place he gives, us the, he gives the Church this authority is Matthew 18, where he says to all the 
all the apostles, something he said individually to Peter two chapters earlier in in Matthew chapter 16, where he says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. He's speaking in that case to Peter individually. But in, Ma- <clears throat> excuse me, in Matthew 18, he says the same thing to all the apostles corporately. So when the church grants an indulgence, what's happening is the church is loosing you from the need to do penance for your sins that have been forgiven by applying the superabundant merits of Jesus and the merits of Our Lady and all the saints who are members of the body of Christ, that those merits are applied to you in such a way that they eliminate the need for you to do penance for all your sins that have been forgiven. That's what would be known as a plenary indulgence. Plenary meaning complete, everything. It's all wiped out. So when you receive a plenary indulgence, that's the net effect. Now, I did talk a little bit a moment ago about suffrages, which is you can choose to offer whatever indulgence you might gain for a poor soul or the poor souls in purgatory, and the Lord would apply that as he wills. So that's another dimension of it. But you can gain a plenary indulgence in many different ways. Uh, In fact, there's a great book, I think every Catholic home should have it, it's called The Handbook of Indulgences, Norms and Grants, and it's a little hardcover book, it's got kind of a brandy, uh, well, more of a red wine colored leather cover, it's only about a hundred and what is it? About 125 pages, and it gives you every single thing biblically, historically, what the church teaches about indulgences, how to gain an indulgence, um, specific things you can do. Uh, it's quite good. So if you're looking for something that will guide you, I would invest mm-hmm. whatever it is, six eight bucks, whatever the cost of this book is. It's not much. Um, the Handbook of Indulgences. It's published by Catholic Book Publishing Company. Okay. And can we um, ask for indulgences for others? Not living people. You can ask for an indulgence for yourself, or you can receive an indulgence on behalf of someone who's in purgatory. Okay, but not our children even. Well, the Church says that the indulgence is something you can gain for yourself or for the soul Uh in purgatory, and here's why you can't gain it for somebody else, because you don't know the state of that person's soul. So in order to receive an indulgence, you have to be properly disposed for it, and you have to want to receive it. And this is why not knowing the state of someone else's soul in this life, Mm -hmm. you can't just apply it. Like, you couldn't gain an indulgence for me, because I'm Mm -hmm. in this life still. Now, the the reason you can do it for anyone in purgatory is because the state of their soul is fixed in goodness. They died in the state of grace, they're going to heaven, they will be in heaven soon enough. So there's no question but that they're prepared to receive this blessing. Um, But somebody else, aside from yourself, in this life, you can't assume anything. So you can gain it for yourself or you can gain it for somebody in purgatory. I hope that's helpful to you. And I'll see if we can't get a link to this great little book, The Handbook of Indulgences. And I'll be right back. Join Father Rocky this September for a pilgrimage to Poland and Prague. You'll visit the lands of St. John Paul the Great, St. Faustina, Our Lady of Czestochowa, and the Infant Child of Prague. Seats are limited. Information at RelevantRadio.com slash Poland. That's RelevantRadio.com slash Poland. Patrick Madrid is on Coast to Coast on Relevant Radio. 
Okay, we're back. Thanks again for listening. Here's the number, 888-914-9149. That number is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. I have a beautiful email I'd like to read to you, and it just came in this morning. And, oh, where did it go? I'm going to get it. Don't worry. Stand by. I thought I had it right here, and look at that. I don't. So I'm going to get it here just a second. I happen to be looking at the same one. You want me to send it to you? Yeah. All right. I can't. You can't hand it to me through the glass, but you can send it to me. That's right. Let's do. And it's Let's sent. Do that. Yeah. So. Okay. Perfect. Hey, the beauty of live radio. It went up into space and came back down, and here it is. Okay, isn't that amazing? So this is an email that I received this morning, and I won't say the name of the man. Um, I I believe it's a man, and and the man is listening out west, let's just say. The subject is, thank you for saving my life. I had been distracted by the enemy and convinced I needed to end my life. I asked God to help upon driving around after standing on the edge of a cliff the second time. I turned on the radio and I heard relevant radio. You said if there is a bipolar person driving around thinking of committing suicide, that God can help. I have bipolar disorder. Uh, He said to ask Jesus to take care of things. I did. And driving around with tears in my eyes, I parked and I got a call from a government office offering to help me with provision and food money. I thank God for your radio station. It saved my life. Thank you for your prayer. And I'm continuing to listen daily for guidance. Praise the Lord. Well, I join you heartily. All of us do here at Relevant Radio, Chris in uh, praising the Lord for you and with you. That is a beautiful thing, and that is God. I mean, there's no question about it. What kind of a coincidence could that possibly be that at the moment that you were contemplating killing yourself, you heard that message just by happenstance? I don't think it's happenstance. I think it's God's grace. And then, you know, to make it all the more dramatic, uh, you decided not to do that. You parked your car. You decided, I'm not going to go jump off that cliff. And who calls you but somebody with information about how you can move forward with food and provisions and things like that. It's just remarkable, and we praise God for that. So thanks for taking a moment to share that with me. And Cyrus, I remember, although I don't remember exactly which day it was, I do remember during Pledge Drive a couple of weeks ago, I shared how when I was working originally with Immaculate Heart Radio before the merger— between Immaculate Heart Radio and Relevant Radio. Do you remember this? I was talking about the note that came in from another person who was going to jump off a bridge and commit suicide. I do remember this. This is more than serendipity. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not, there's got to be a better word for it. I mean, it's not just good luck. Providence. It's God's it, providence. It's God's providence. Yeah. So, I mean, I've shared that story a few times here or there over the years, and that. That's at least 12 years old, maybe a little bit longer than that. But it always struck me when I heard that from Doug Sherman, the president of Immaculate Heart Radio. He shared that on the air during a pledge drive, and I was really floored by it because it became real to me how really God works in the airwaves this way, reaching people in a way that can't be coincidence, it can't be happenstance, like this gentleman here who needed to hear that at just the right moment. So all I can say is praise God, and thank you, Lord, for letting Relevant Radio be on the air. 
And thank you, sir, for taking a moment to write that to us. All of us here at Relevant Radio are smiling ear to ear uh, at God's grace working in your life that way. Thank you. 888-914-9149. How about Roy now in Littleton, Colorado? Hi, Roy. Patrick, um, well, that's a that's a hard email to follow, but you never know what people are dealing with. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it is amazing. I had a question for you. Um, I've heard you say it before, and you just said it um, just as I uh, tuned on about confession, and that before you go to confession, you're supposed to confess your sins to God. Can right. you clarify that? Because I'm not sure I'm mm-hmm. doing that in the right form or that I've ever even been taught to do that or anything. Okay. So yeah, that's an important that point. Great. So let, let's just put it this way, that in order to be properly disposed to receive the sacrament of confession, also known as reconciliation, you first have to be sorry for your sins. You have to, you have to desire to be forgiven. So that, in essence, is you, you go to God in your prayers, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. I fear hell, but I am sorry for my sins more than the fear of hell because I love you and I should not have sinned against you because I know you love me. So, Lord, I'm sorry. I seek your forgiveness. That's the first step for any Catholic to be able to make a good confession. Now, if you in your lifetime have not had that conscious conversation with God in so many words, that's okay. That doesn't mean that you made a bad confession. But I propose that it's always better if you do have that sort of intentional, conscious dialogue with the Lord, turning to him after serious sin, or any sin, and just saying, Lord, I'm truly sorry. I wish I hadn't done that. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Then you are in the proper state of mind. You're properly disposed to go to receive the sacrament of confession, where the priest absolves you of your sins. So in a nutshell, that's what I'm referring to. Does that make sense to you? Thank you. You're welcome. Anything more? Did we get it? Uh, You got it. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Roy. 888-914-9149. How about Samantha now in Phoenix? Hello, Samantha. Hi, Patrick. Um, So I had a conversation with my sister recently, Mm -hmm. and she confessed to me that she wants to believe in God, but she's struggling. Mm -hmm. And I really, I've tried everything I can think of to help her, and I was wondering if you could recommend any sort of books. I can. I mean, there are many wonderful books on the topic. I would propose maybe, first of all, that she go into a Catholic church sometime when it's quiet, maybe the middle of the day, and nobody's around. She can concentrate and just be there with Jesus. Now, she doesn't necessarily believe that Jesus is there, but she can say, Lord, if you're there, I need help. Now, she doesn't have to go into a Catholic church to accomplish this. It's good that if she were to do this, it's even better because Jesus is present in the tabernacle, as you know. But even if she's just, you know, walking through a park or she's in the frozen food section of the local grocery store, wherever she may be, if she says, Lord or God, I don't know if you exist. I kind of think maybe you don't. But if you do, please help me. Please show yourself to me. Please guide me. And he will. He's not going to spurn that kind of heartfelt prayer, even if coming from somebody, maybe especially if coming from somebody who doubts his existence. He wants to save her. He wants to to help her. And if she's reaching out like that, he certainly will follow through. Thank you. Do you have any sort of, um, I think it's really the state of the world and all the 
bad that goes on that's really causing her to struggle? Do you have mm-hmm. any sort of recommendation yeah. on that? I do, yeah. So I would propose another thing. I guess I'm using that word propose a lot this morning. I would recommend that you go to uh, your local Catholic bookstore and get a copy of the New Testament. You can get a Catholic Bible, uh, New Testament. Some of them have the words of Jesus in red so that you can easily pick them out. But either way, I would go and maybe get her one of these New Testaments, one that I would recommend is called the St. Joseph, uh, let me see, it's the, the New Testament, St. Joseph Catholic, let me, I just want to read it, I have it here in the studio, it's the St. Joseph New Catholic Version New Testament. It has a leather-bound cover, it's, it's small in size, but not too small, it's not overly small, but it's not a big honking Bible, it's just a small New Testament. And you can give that to her as a gift, maybe inscribe it for her, and suggest that she start listening to what Jesus says. She could start in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, and just see the story unfold. And Jesus will speak to her in the pages of Scripture. That's a beautiful way to introduce her to the message, because Jesus is the one who tells us the, the full message. God loves you. He wants you to be happy. The bad news is, You will die in your sins if you don't believe and repent, but I'm here to help you, and I'm here to save you. So you have bad news, but it's followed by good news, and the good news is great news, and it's for her. So I would say if she were to read the Gospel of Matthew, chances are she'll want to read more, and the more she reads about what Jesus says on these issues, the more she will be drawn to him. There are other good books, Peter Kreeft, K-R-E-E-F-T, he's written I don't know, probably over a hundred books. They're all excellent. I haven't read them all, but I'm the ones I have read are excellent. I'm sure that the other ones are too, but he's written widely on these topics. He's got a book I like, especially called Making Sense Out of Suffering. Now that presupposes the existence of God, but if part of what your friend's struggle is, is evil in the world, suffering, things of that nature, the bleakness that life often seems to hold, that book will speak to her for sure making sense out of suffering. Thank you so much. That's so helpful. I'm glad. And I guess another thing I would add in passing would be if you text her the link to this program, you could text her the link to the relevant radio app. I mean, just shoot it over to her or the link to this show is relevantradio.com slash Patrick. And you can say, there's a show on a guy who talks about God stuff and you might find it interesting. And I'm guessing she'll probably tap the link and start listening. And God can work through her or work with her in that way as well. Thank you so much. I was You're feeling welcome, lost, Sarita. but now at least I have a direction to head towards. I'm glad. Well, I'm walking with you. Father Rocky and Drew and Cyrus and all of us here are walking with you. So don't feel like you're alone in this. We're gonna we're here to help you and we'll be praying for you as you seek to help your friend. Your sister. Thank you. Yes, my sister, yeah. You have a wonderful day. Thanks, Samantha. Oh, we almost got right to the top of the hour, but not quite. So rather than bring another phone call on, uh, I will go through a couple of quick emails that have been waiting. And boy, do we have plenty of those. Um, I have that one right here. And uh, this one actually, this is going to take a little more time. I have an anonymous one here. Actually, I think I can do it. Let's do it. So this is from Anonymous who says, um, I'm a Christian scientist. I want you to know 
that although we believe in healing as Christ Jesus did and is the best method for healing, church members are allowed to go to doctors if that seems best for them. She's referring to a conversation we had on this program a few days ago about um, the question was, what if a Jehovah's Witness doesn't want a blood transfusion and yet is dying and the nurse or the physician would, would he or she be doing anything immoral by giving a blood transfusion, which would be against the wishes of that person? And wouldn't you know it, um, I'm not going to be able to finish this email. So how about that? that we will pick up this question uh, on the other side of the break. And the reason Man's I mentioned it, know his limitations. And the reason I uh, wanted to spend a little more time on this is because I referenced Christian science as an example of where, um, let's say, for example, a child is ill, the parents refuse medical attention because they believe that if they pray, the child will get better. And in some cases, the child dies, how terrible that is, and how some Christian scientists have found themselves being charged with child neglect. So that was the backdrop of the, of this person's email, and we'll come back to that on the other side of this timeout. And I hope that the anonymous person who wrote me this email is listening because she asked me to be sure to answer it on the air if possible. And I'll do that right after this. Yeah. 